Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here for this week's Know Your Foe episode, joining us for that, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette. George, how are you doing? Great. Just enjoying some uh, beautiful Colorado here today. So uh, I'm having yeah, a great, great day. Great day here too, you know, but weather is perfect for that nice about eight days a year in spring and fall weekend of, of perfect weather before it's either too cold or too hot for the very narrowly temperature oriented, but... Uh, 
Uh, Colorado, a beautiful state if you haven't been there. Uh, talk a little bit about the Denver Broncos. We'll be playing the, the Ravens this week. The Broncos off to a 3-0 start, of course. Uh, let's talk in a very general uh, way first, though, about uh, where your work is, where people can follow you on Twitter, and uh, whatever else you'd like to plug. Yeah, you can find um, my stories at gazette.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at George Stoya. That's S-T-O-I-A is my last name. And I also have a podcast. Actually, I just just finished recording my own podcast. Uh, it's called Your Favorite Broncos Podcast by George Stoya. And you can find that on any um, you know platform. And, and uh, it's, it's probably a pretty good listen for people that maybe want to know just about what the Broncos look like this week. Uh, we break down injuries and, and things like that. And, and I'm sure we'll get into quite a bit of that on here too, but uh, it's a good listen. If, if for some reason a Broncos fan is tuning into this and didn't know about it, but uh, yeah, you can find my work there and, and at gazette.com. All right. Well, hopefully we get a few Broncos fans, uh, you know, that are listening to this. Um, okay. So uh, let's talk about off season changes first for the Broncos. Obviously uh, a, a fair amount happening at the quarterback position and elsewhere, but talk about the biggest moves uh, they made this year. Yeah, you know, other than, than Teddy Bridgewater, which obviously is, is the big one, and I'm sure we'll get into Teddy's game and kind of what he likes to do and his tendencies, but uh, I thought some of the, the, the bigger ones was Ronald Darby and, and Kyle Fuller at the quarterback position. When you look back at last season with the Broncos, they had a ton of injuries, you know, in that secondary, and especially late in the season, and, and they just didn't have guys uh, that had a whole lot of experience to come in, right? And, and, and it really hurt him, hurt them in, on the back half of the season. So, you know, new general manager George Payton from Minnesota came in, and that was, that was a priority. Uh, he went out and signed Ronald Darby, a veteran in this league from, from Washington. He went out and got Kyle Fuller from Chicago and signed him to a one-year deal, Ronald Darby to a three-year deal uh, to kind of shore up that, that secondary. And it's paid dividends. And, and you know, they went out and got Pastor Tan in the draft, and I know a lot of people thought yeah. they should have maybe gone on Justin Fields. But, you know, Ronald Darby goes down week one for the Broncos, and all of a sudden Sertan can just step in, and, and he hasn't missed a beat and, and looks like the future at that position. So, uh, obviously, those are some of the big ones. Uh, Mike Boone at running back, which maybe, you know, he might play this week. Uh, he, you know, he went on the IR to start the season. Uh, he, his three weeks are up. So, I, you know, it sounds like he's probably going to practice this week. I don't know if he'll play. Uh, he had a quad injury and he kind of gives them that running back room, which Avante Williams, and Melvin Gordon, he gives them kind of a different burst. He's definitely a speedster guy, uh, plays a lot of special teams. Uh, so he could be a guy that, that maybe plays this week. Uh, and then they also made some other smaller signings. Uh, Shmar Stefan up front on the defensive line. He's played a lot for them this year. He signed on a one-year deal. Um, I'm, I'm blanking. There's somebody else that I'm missing, but uh, those were kind of the, the big ones this off season. Of course they, they kept Justin Simmons made him, you know, for, you know, a few months, the highest paid safety ever in NFL history. And he's been playing great and he'll be a big key on Sunday as well in this game containing Lamar Jackson, uh, Shelby Harris up front on the defensive line was another guy that they re-signed, um, you know, to a long-term deal. So uh, those were sort of the, the big highlights this off season. For this How game. about a, a developmental player from last year to this year, from either, you know, a one to two or a two to three year guy who stepped up now, either a starting role or is that, is that a different level? Yeah, I, I think um, the one that that immediately comes to mind is Justin Sternat at, at linebacker. Um, you know, last year he he came in as a rookie, and um, you know a lot of people thought he was going to steal either Alexander Johnson or, or Josie Jewell's starting job at inside linebacker, and then he broke his wrist, and it was kind of like, well, is he going to grow? Is he still going to be the, the type of player that a lot of Broncos fans and, and the organization hoped he could be? And now we're in week three, and he's starting for the Broncos after Josie Jewell went down this last week, and I think he has shown. 
shown you know quite a bit of growth despite having not played maybe as much and so he's definitely a guy that's I think can end up being a core of this team and when you look at Alexander Johnson and and um you know, Josie Jewell, both of them are in contract years, and it, it, I don't think they'll bring both those guys back. And you look at Josie, obviously going down with the, the peck injury against the Jaguars a week ago and being out for the season, it's really opened up the door for Justin Sternad, uh, who's only in his second year, to kind of take over that spot. So I, I think he's somebody that obviously stands out. I think you could probably pick several guys on the offensive line. Uh, Garrett Bowles is obviously a guy that struggled early in his career, gets the extension, extension, extension last year, um, you know, for having played so well at that left tackle spot. Uh, Dalton Reisner is an interesting one. Um, you know, he's in his, I think, fourth season, third or fourth season. Uh, and he's kind of, you know, matured and, and become a leader on this team. So he's another developmental guy that I think could be looking at a contract situation. And then, you know, and I don't know if this is your next question, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on, on contract years this season that um, are younger guys or guys that, um, or, or Von Miller, I guess, is not a younger guy. But there's a lot of guys on contract years this season um, that this is a big year for them in terms of what's the future. Are they going to get paid by the Broncos? Are they going to get paid by someone else? Or is this it for them, right? Uh, or, or are they going to have to go somewhere and take a pay cut somewhere? So uh, there's a lot of guys on this football team that their, their futures are kind of up in the air. Uh, how about the injuries? Let's talk injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, right now it, it's – it's it, it's not good uh, for the Broncos, but you know I guess that's part of the it's NFL, uh, right? it's relative. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, you know they, they lost Jerry Judy week one, uh, which obviously was was a big loss. But luckily he'll he'll be back eventually. Um, I would probably say another two or three weeks before he's realistically back. Um, you know then they lost Ronald Darby, who he's out for at least another week on the IR. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb mm-hmm. last week uh, hurts his ankle. It looks like he's out for, you know, at least six to eight weeks. Uh, Josie Jewell, like I said, is out for the season. And then this last week, uh, they lose K.J. Hamler, who uh, tore his ACL, and it sounds like maybe even some more damage there uh, in his knee, which is unfortunate because, I, you know, when you look at K.J., um, he doesn't his statistics right are, are not like they don't pop right he hasn't had a ton of production but what he does the defenses and, and the way he's able to spread the field beat guys over the top you have to have a, a safety helping uh, somebody uh, he plays in that slot they do a lot of crossing routes where he goes clear across the field um, and they're able to hit him because he's just so fast that's a big loss for them uh, and he's a guy that was definitely stepping up uh, in place of Judy, and then a lot of people thought he was going to have a big year. And so for him to be lost for the season is is not ideal for the Broncos' offense and kind of what they like to do. Uh, and then and and so I, I, that was probably the biggest one. Yeah, I, I in in him in particular against the Baltimore inside linebackers, which is the biggest weakness they've shown so yeah. far, uh, would have been a tough uh, a tough cover. So uh, it's not like there aren't other guys. Wide receivers or tight ends for Denver who can't do the same thing, but but uh, Hamler definitely was a would have been a handful for the Ravens linebackers. Yeah, and, and you know just going off that, they, they also had um, two offensive linemen go down this last week: their right guard and left guard, Graham wow. Glasgow and Dalton Reisner, um, and uh, they are both I would say questionable for the game. I think they're like day to day, week to week. I would bet Reisner is more. Uh, uh, I guess probable to play than than Glasgow, uh, and so if if you know for some reason those guys can't go, you're looking at 
uh, Nat- Natane Mute, who is in his second year and has only played in four games, starting at, at one of the guard positions. And then Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners, who who most people know as the guy who has the belly. Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, everybody loved him in this last right, draft. Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, I think he's going to end up being a good player. But what people don't forget about him, and he had to come in this this last game. He's not played football in two mm-hmm. years. Like, I mean, Wisconsin Whitewater did not have a football season last year. So the only game he's really played in is the Senior Bowl. And so for him to have to go up against maybe this um, this this Ravens defense that you know blitzes often mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and they give you different looks, that might be a tough ask for him. So if they can just get one of those guards back, either Reisner or Glasgow, and then they can get away with playing Amute, who has played before and played for. Uh, Glasgow actually against the Jaguars. He started in that game. Um, you know, I, I think that that would be huge for them in terms of that. So uh, those two guys being out could be a difference. Yeah, we'll, we'll get game. to the offensive line, but but if a guard guard being out is kind of the worst possible situation against the Ravens because they stunt so much and they blitz so much yep. that you know all your gaps are weak if your guard and guard are out. Potentially, you know, you you don't have any any A A B B gap that's that that is uh, is doing okay. All right, let's move on here. And uh, you mentioned some key contracts. So, you know, I'm looking at the fourth-year players on the team. Tim Patrick is another guy who, who maybe needs a contract. He's, he hasn't been resigned yet, has he? Okay. Nope. Nope. And um, it just, just quickly going off that, like, Tim Patrick's been playing great this season. He had a great year last year. He's going to get paid mm-hmm. by someone. Uh, the question is, do you keep him and Cortland Sutton? Because Cortland Sutton's the other one that – you know, George Payton has come out and said he's he's one of our guys, right? Like we we plan to extend him, and he keeps saying that. And, and you know, you, you want to believe him, but if Tim Patrick's having a great year too, how do you how do you maybe try to keep both those guys, or do you only keep mm-hmm. one? Uh, and that's kind of the the biggest decision in my mind uh, for the Broncos this offseason is what you do with that wide receiver room because there's also guys, and I have a list here. You know, mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller is in a contract year. Uh, what do you do with him? He he looks great through the first three games, right? But he's 32 years old. Uh, can he play all season? Can he keep this this momentum up? Uh, you know, getting those sacks. I think he needs a double-digit sack at least season to, to, to get re-signed here in Denver. And it, what does that money look like? Uh, you know, Bryce Callahan is in, his, is in a contract year. Um, he's been playing that nickel spot um, for them mostly. Uh, Bradley Chubb is, is not in a contract year, but he is definitely up for an extension. Uh, they picked up his fifth-year option. Kyle Fuller feels like a just a, a placement guy for one year. I don't think they'll keep him after this season. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. And he really hasn't played great so far this season. I would say that's probably their one weakness uh, is that corner spot with Kyle Fuller. Uh, Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. is in a contract year. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, what are you going to do with him if he goes out and keeps performing the way he does? Do you sign him to extension? Do you go out? Do you try to get he's, Aaron Rodgers? He's Rogers not signed through, through any more than this year. He's a one-year deal. Wow. One year. Yep. This is it for him. Uh, and then uh, you've got Alexander Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, Josie Jewell, uh, Malik Reed, who's come in and, you know, he's had a great opportunity with Von Miller and, and Bradley Chubb, both, you know, getting hurt these last couple of years. He gets to come in and play. Someone's going to pay him because he's, he's a starting outside linebacker for a lot of teams. Right now he's the third string guy that's just getting to play because Vaughn and Bradley keep getting hurt. But what's going to happen with him? And then you've got Kareem Jackson, who, you know, everyone thought last year was his going to be his last year. Then they bring him back mm-hmm. on a one-year, I think, $5 million deal this season, and he's been great. So do you try and keep him, you know, pair with Justin Simmons back there, or, or do you, you know, do you move up the, the rookie Caden Stearns to – Yeah, to Jackson, very much like Jimmy Smith, not quite in the same kind of tenure at this point, but a guy who seems to be a rolling one-year player for, for a long time. Uh, what does their overall cap availability look like for next year? Are they are they in good shape, or are they, or are they still have they – 
still dealing with some big contracts or where are they exactly? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know have the exact number in front of me, but I believe there are top, okay. top 10 in, in terms of cap room. They have a lot of cap room. They, they have space. And again, it, it's going to it's gonna largely depend on what they decide to do with Cortland Sutton and Bradley Chubb, I think, because those are two guys that are obviously young football players. I think they're both, you know, mid-20s, uh, you know, haven't had a lot of time in the league, but have been obviously impactful football players for them and, and I think they want to sign them to long-term deals but what do those long-term deals look like how much cap space are they going to take up and I think that'll also play into what, what the one that I, I'm just super interested in I think all of Broncos fans are is is Von Miller right is, is you know is this it for Vaughn and Denver uh if they do sign him back are you signing him for just this crazy amount mm-hmm. of money and if you do that can you go out and get a different quarterback or do you what do you, what do you do there right because I think Vaughn it, it was a lot of people did not think they were going to pick up his option this last year. I mean, they waited till the literally the last minute to pick up his $18 million option this year. And a lot of people thought they're overpaying. You know, they didn't think Vaughn was worth the $18 million coming off of an ankle ankle injury. And then also, uh, you know, being 32 years old as a pass rusher, it's just not the same. So uh, I, he has a lot to prove this season. But those are the three guys that I think are are kind of priorities for this team. I, I think that if they, if all three of those guys can play up to their potential, they're all three at looking at some big contracts. And then, you know, does that leave out? Do you, do you lose a Bryce Callahan who's played some really good football mm-hmm. for you? Uh, Alexander Johnson, do you, do you lose some of those kind of fringe guys that you want, but you don't maybe need, right? And so I think that that's kind of the cap situation you're looking at is it really depends largely on, you know, how big are those extensions for Cortland Sutton, Vaughn Miller, and, and Bradley Chubb. Yeah, the, the Denver been a team, obviously, that's that's been a fairly good drafting team over the years, certainly. But but my question would be, uh, have, have, do you think the Broncos have really faced as much as some other teams kind of the heartbreak of having to sift through their picks at the end of four years and decide who they can't keep? I mean, the Ravens are, are unwinding a, a historic draft from 2018 right now. They already traded Hayden Hurst. They had to trade Orlando Brown a year before his contract is up because there's just no way they're going to have the money to pay him. Uh, you know, They have money for Jackson Andrews, but then they have Bozeman. And, a- and Elliot and Averett that they're probably going to want to pay as well. H- have the Broncos really been through that uh, yet where their, their drafts have been so good that they've, that they've just had a, a continual heartbreak of players bleeding out of the organization? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say so. I don't think they're at that point. I mean, I think really there's a lot of questions on if, if they really hit mm-hmm. on some of these guys, right? Like, like Bradley Chubb, as good as I think everybody mm-hmm. thinks he is, He's had a lot of injury issues, and he really hasn't maybe. I, obviously, I, I don't like to throw around the word bust. I don't think he's mm-hmm. a bust at all. I just don't think he's lived up to that potential that a lot of people think he should have. Uh, and when you look back at that draft, you know they passed on a guy like Josh Allen. And that's what everybody yeah. wants to bring up with Bradley Chubb is he's, he's not Josh Allen, right? And so I think that that's the question with some of these guys. I mean, Cortland Sutton has obviously been a great pick, uh, second-round guy. But to even go Drew mm-hmm. Locke, right? You, you take a chance on Drew Locke there in the second round, and obviously that hasn't turned out. you know. So I, I think that there's a lot of people questioning if they have had good drafts. And, and a lot of that – you know, kind of falls on John Elway's plate, who obviously stepped down as the GM this last season. And so uh, I think there's a lot of hope about this last year's draft. I think a lot of people are really high, obviously, on Sertan. I mean, everybody's going to compare him for the rest of his career to, you know, what does Justin Fields turn out to be, Mac Jones. Um, But that's that's part of the game, right? But I think everybody agrees Sertan is probably going to be a Pro Bowl-type corner eventually in his career. And then you look at Javante Williams, who they got in the second round. Uh, And then you even look at, you know, Quinn Myers, 
Baron Browning in the third round, and then all the way even to the seventh round, they got a guy, Jonathan Cooper, who's playing a lot of football for them at outside linebacker. Uh, and so I, I think that there's a lot of faith that George Payton is kind of turning around that draft tide. But there are still a lot of questions about some of those drafts a few years ago if some of those players actually turn turn out to be the players that they hope to be. I mean, even Josie Jewell is a guy that they drafted, I think, in the season this year, but then he gets hurt. So it, it's it's one of those things that uh, I think there's you know a few guys that you're like, man, I hope I hope we get to keep them, right, if you're Broncos fan. But there's also some guys that's like, man, we really missed on that one. And, uh, you know, that's probably every team, right? So. I, th- I think a lot of teams have misses. They take some good swings and they and they sometimes miss. But I, I like Denver's strategy. They've had 36 picks in the last four drafts, averaging nine per year. The average team gets eight. If you if you play the comp game normally and you you make trades to to increase your picks, you get you get eight picks on an average in an NFL, even though there's seven rounds. To me, a team that ends up with nine per round, you're doing exceptionally well to manage draft capital, to really consider trading down as opposing up. I, I don't I don't think they, they yeah, I don't think of Denver as being a team that concentrated too much draft him. capital you know, George in the individual picks. Talks about, Would that be your feeling um, about it you know, too? What he's learned over his career is that you want more darts, right? You want as many darts as possible to throw at the dartboard. And so that's why, you know, you look at some of the moves that they made um, you know, they moved back in this this last draft, mm-hmm. especially on day three, and, and picked up more picks and so that they could have three seventh-round picks. And, and the hope there is not that all three work out, right, because they're probably not going to, but maybe one of them works out. And it looks like Jonathan Cooper is that answer, right? And, and they don't get that pick if they don't trade back or if, if mm-hmm. they make a trade, you know, there in the fourth round or whatever it is, right? And, and so I think that that's definitely been the approach. And, uh, you know, I know he, he spoke about how that's how Elway did it. Um, and that's kind of where he learned that from. Also, Rick Spielman at Minnesota, who, you know, the Vikings every single year, they make those sorts of trades. So I definitely think that that's the approach for the Broncos. Def- definitely has been the approach for the Ravens, too. But this last year was the antithesis of that. They didn't go to acquire more late-round picks. In fact, a lot of Ravens fans very upset with the last pick of the fifth round, Ben Mason, uh, a fullback when, hey, we've got a fullback already. They didn't really Nobody knew about Ricard's yeah. off-season surgery at that point. I think he was an insurance policy. But then he didn't stick around, and he signed with the Patriots. It's just <laughs> the worst possible kind of, kind of a situation from from that perspective. Uh, but, but the Ravens, I think, felt that, that this draft was very thin, and Denver obviously showed there were still some gems in the seventh round uh, in terms of, of, of who they got. And I really like Kiaris Tonga as another guy that, that could have been picked up. And the Ravens also had another defensive back. They got it. They happened to get luckily as a UDFA, but they paid him a lot of money to do so. A lot of their UDFA pool went to him, and there'd be a real question as to whether UDFA dollars might have actually been more valuable and you might have gotten this guy with a seventh-round pick, and that's Ardarius Washington. So anyway, I, I, I love the strategy of Denver. I think very much organizationally aligned with what the Ravens have done and, and uh, uh, you know, an impressive organization to run. Even, even going back to yeah, the definitely. Peyton Manning signing, uh, it was the right big swing at the right time for the organization. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the offense here um, uh, in terms of uh, Bridgewater. And tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what's different about his game? Yeah, what can I, we I expect as a quarterback? He's been in the NFC for a fair amount of his career. So the thing that yeah, he's, he's new to us in Baltimore. And tell us what you know. Him or, or hasn't shown in his past career. He can, he's, he's been really mobile. And what I mean by that is there's been a lot of times where 
the pocket has it, it's not they're not designed plays where they're trying to get him out of the pocket right like it's plays where it, the pocket breaks down he escapes some tackles he escapes the pressure and he finds a guy down the field and that's something that I don't think a lot of people expected that's not something even going back to training camp or OTAs that we saw a lot of from Teddy it, even in the preseason we didn't see that a lot so I think his pro, his pocket awareness his ability to escape it and find guys down the field his eyes are always moving I think that that's the biggest thing with Teddy he's not going to kill you with you know his arm strength or, or, or he's not going to hit a deep ball and stride a whole lot and, and those sorts of things he's not going to have a, a, a high velocity ball you know across the middle whatever it is right but uh, he's going to make smart decisions at least that's what we've seen through three games and I know they haven't played the best team so far but uh, I think he has shown a lot of poise in the pocket um, this offensive line is, is maybe the weak spot on the on this Broncos team and he's been able to still uh, make plays with his feet and, and get the ball out to, to the playmakers down the field because I think that's the one thing about Teddy is when he's been on teams that have a lot of great playmakers you think about the Saints you know when he went 5-0 and with Drew Brees' team that was a really good New Orleans team you think back to his early years in Minnesota when they went to the playoffs he had some great yeah. players around him Adrian Peterson obviously I think Diggs was there at that time I mean he had some great players and so when you look at this Broncos team as much as you know you hate to lose Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler he still has two really great wide receivers in Tim Patrick Cortland Sutton around him uh, as well as those those big tight ends that you know Noah Fand and, and Alberto I'm not even going to try to say his last name but Alberto is the other tight end number 85 he's um he, he's a really good player too so I, I think that that's the biggest thing for Teddy he's got some guys around him that can go and make some plays if maybe he throws a bad ball or if something breaks down they can get open so I, I think that's the biggest thing I so one of the questions so about, about playing against the Ravens is the offense more predicated on getting the ball out quickly and maybe we won't don't know yet because Hamler isn't has been missing. This will be the first week that Hamler's really been out, right? So, so yep. is the offense really predicated on getting it out quickly to wide receivers? A lot of slants, a lot of a lot of bunch formations off the line of scrimmage that they that they break out of, uh, or is this more of a wait for uh, wide receivers to get to the top of the route and and break in some direction and in, either get a crossing pattern or a comeback or whatever it might be? You know, I think we've seen a little bit of both, but it's mm-hmm. definitely been more wait. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of plays, it seems like, especially the big plays where he's sitting in the pocket for quite some time and he's looking, you know, going through his reads and he finally finds a guy across the middle or down the sideline or whatever it is. Um, there's not a ton of slants in this this offense. I think that one thing that they do that maybe is a little bit more quick is they do that rollout play where they, they bootleg him and, you know, maybe a tight end, you know, is blocking at first mm-hmm. and then he, he comes off and he hits Noah Fant and Noah Fant, you know, gains 20 yards off of a two-yard pass, right? That's that's kind of those quick plays that they try to run maybe sometimes. They have been running a lot more play action this season. I, I can't remember the exact number, uh, but I want to say they're on pace to basically double the play action that they ran last year, uh, which I think is, is is good for Teddy. I mean, he's historically been a lot better in play action, so I, I, I don't think that they get the ball off that quick. Uh, I think we might see that more this week um, because they haven't really played a defense quite. Yeah, they, they run a lot of plays under center as opposed to out of the shotgun. Then, or they, they run a lot of play action out of the shotgun. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a little bit of both, um, but uh, and it kind of depends on where they are at, uh, at on the field. Like when they get in the red zone, mm-hmm. they're under center a lot, um, you know. But you know when they get in those, you know, third and longs or even second and long, um, you know, they're they're doing shotgun but I, I think I have it somewhere on here I, I think they've gone like five wide or something like maybe one play this entire season where they, they spread everybody out they, they, that's just not what they do they run a ton of you know 12 personnel 
Um, they've even run 13 personnel, sure. with like three tight ends on the fields. It, it, it's a lot of different um, looks. And I have, I have the exact numbers here. Yeah, the 11 personnel, 50% of the time, 12 personnel, 30%. 30%, 12 personnel. That's very, very high, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, that, that's Shermer, man. Shermer is, he's dead set on this season on, on running those two tight end sets and, and really getting those guys the ball. And, and when you look at the production that Noah Fant and Alberto have shown and, and kind of being those big security blankets and being guys that not only can just go catch the ball, but once they catch yeah. it, they can, they can make some moves. I mean, I think they're two of the more underrated tight ends in the league right now. Um, you know, that's why they're in those. But then the one, the package that is really interesting to me, and, and they didn't do this almost at all last season, is this mm-hmm. 13 personnel. They'll bring in the third tight end, which is Eric Saubert, and they run a lot of different things out of there. You know, you think they're going to run the ball, and, and they'll, they'll bunch them all on one side, right? They'll bunch these three tight ends, or maybe they'll put two on one and one on the other, and they'll run it at the beginning of the game. They'll run it to that strong side, right? They'll run right behind those tight ends. Eric Saubert's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, and they'll run right behind him. But then later in the game, they go back weak side, right? And they, they set the, d- the defense up, and they go back weak side, and, and it's been really effective for them so far. And then they'll run these different play-action formations out of that 13 personnel. So when you see those three tight ends in the game, 82, 87, 85, uh, it, it's, it's been really effective for them this, this season. And they don't run it off. I mean, it's 14%. That's very it's high for 13%. High. That's about for 13%. High. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, – you know, when they do get in that, that personnel format, I mean, it's it's interesting. And, and it really it confuses the defense because they don't know really how to line up and how to cover them. And, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you're trying to cover Noah Fant, who everybody thinks the ball's going to, and then it goes to Saubert, who's who's actually one of the better tight ends, uh, I, I, or more underrated tight ends, I guess. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, that, uh, what are the other ones? 21 personnel, one wow. personnel. I think that's one play. So they don't really use a fullback. Uh, and and do they, it, that's, sometimes the, the, the personnel numbers you'll get off, off whatever site you're using will be be numbers where it's the roster position but do they use a tight end in the backfield as a fullback sometimes so so that's what that's what it is so 22 personnel they run three percent 23 personnel three percent and that this last week so what's interesting about this this group and, and like i said i mentioned all those tight ends the fourth tight end uh, who has was elevated for the first time this last mm-hmm. week is Andrew Beck, and he plays fullback. He's the only guy on the team at tight end that can also play fullback. And so they elevated him this week, and this was the first time they ever ran like some I formation where they had a fullback mm-hmm. in the backfield, and it was really effective. Andrew Beck is is really good in in the backfield, and, and they ran that a lot on the goal line. Uh, they scored two touchdowns, I believe, from inside the two or one yard line, and both of those were in you know t- some sort of 22-23 mm-hmm. personnel where they have a fullback, but it's really I mean, Andrew Beck's a tight end, fullback, whatever you want to call him, but he's playing in the fullback position uh, as the lead blocker. Uh, and so I don't know if they'll do that this week. I wouldn't be shocked because it was so effective this last week uh, against the Jets. But, I, I, you know, if Andrew Beck is elevated, if you see that on Sunday that he's going to play and he's active – uh, that means they're going to run some 22 and 23 personnel. Uh, okay, it's outstanding format usage stuff. And I was just, we were talking about in the production meeting, this is exactly what we're looking for on this show. So I really appreciate you going through that. Let's go back to the offensive line, though, yeah. for a moment. And, and just to walk us through, maybe from left tackle to right tackle, uh, what they'll see out of those players in this game. So you got le- uh, at left tackle, you have uh, Garrett Bowles, who, you know, last year graded out as, I believe, one of the best left tackles or even one of the best tackles in, in football. Uh, and I think a large part of that, I mean, I don't want to, you know, bash on Garrett because 
I think Garrett's a, a very good left tackle, but I think part of that was, you know, penalties were down last year. There wasn't as many holding calls. There was no fans in the stands. Um, and when you look at his career before last season, he really struggled. I mean, he had a lot of penalties. Uh, he got caught you know, holding and, and things like that. He just it, it wasn't South football for him. Uh, and you take away the crowd, you take away some of those holding penalties for some reason that weren't as called as much last season. Uh, and I think that that kind of made him – I, this is going to sound wrong, but it made him look maybe better than what he is, and that's not to say he's not a good player. Uh, I think it's just that he's maybe not a great I want to make the comparison to Michael Orr for Ravens fans. Michael Orr had, during a five-year stretch, was second in the NFL, I believe, by one to Doug Free of Dallas in penalties against him. It was something like 51, 52 penalties he had during that five-year stretch uh, that he was with the Ravens. Garrett Bowles, in his first three years with Denver, penalized 45 times. Three years, 52, including last year. That's a big decrease, as you mentioned, in penalties, although seven is still a lot. And uh, uh, and zero penalties this year in three games. That's uh, that's quite an improvement. Yeah, so he's he's having a good year. Uh, This last game, he got beat a couple times. And, you know, that's going to happen. And he got beat uh, in the first game, too, against the Giants. And and, then I think it was Quinn and Williams for the Jets that beat him this last week for a sack. Um, and, you know, Quinn Williams is, is a wrecker. He's a, he's a good football player for the Jets. I mean, he's, he's maybe their best football player on the entire team up front for the, for the Jets. So that that's going to happen, but Garrett's a good player. Uh, he's probably of the, the five. And like I said, that this is their one weak spot on, on this team. He's probably their best offensive lineman. Um, and so, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> uh, so then you have that left guard, you have Dalton Reisner. Like I said, he has a foot injury. He's day to day. He's been in a boot. Uh, we'll see if he practices on Wednesday. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be questionable for the game. He, he's, he's honestly, you know, he had a really good rookie year. And, you know, he played tackle uh, at Kansas State and he's moved to guard. Um, yeah, and I think he played some guard at Kansas State. But, he, you know, he's playing guard for, for the Broncos. And really he hasn't been as good, um, you know, since his rookie season. I think he's been a solid player. But, uh, you know, his rookie year, we, you know, people were talking about him, you know, being a pro bowler. Um, and I don't think he's reached that level yet. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think they'd re- obviously rather have him in than mm-hmm. maybe, say, Quinn Miners, who's not played almost at all, or, or even Mute. Um, you know, I think that that's, it, that's, that's a definitely, the interior line is where the issue is for, for the Broncos. Because then going to the next spot, Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, who I think has gotten better since last season, his, his rookie year, he started all 16 games for the Broncos at center. Uh, he still struggles a lot. And when you have to have, a rookie, or I guess not a rookie center, but a second-year center, and, and let's say on on Sunday it's a it's a second-year center, a second-year guard in Mute, and a rookie guard in, in Miners. You're talking about a lot of issues up there on the front, and I think the biggest thing for Lloyd has been mm-hmm. the mental part, right? I mean, when you're at center, you have to know every single position. You're calling out calls. You're you're reading the defense just like the quarterback is, and so I think that that could be one of the biggest issues and Lloyd's been better this year. Uh, and I think he's starting to figure it out a little bit, but it's still early in the season and he's still learning a lot. Uh, and so he's, he's one guy that he could have some problems. Okay. So as well. we do a lot of draft uh, work, of course, on the, on the show for, uh, for film study. And uh, Lloyd Cushenberry was somebody a lot of people loved. Uh, you know, I loved him too. I was one of them, but I didn't really like him as a first round talent. Uh, we had, had a friend who lives down is an LSU fan who really thought he would be the Ravens' first-round pick. One of the things he loved about him was his length. That his arms are over 34 inches long, and that's yeah. very unusual for a center. Uh, it, it might also be not quite as useful as center as it is necessary at tackle. But how does Cushenberry play with his length so far? 
Yeah, it's it's been good. I, I, the biggest thing for Lloyd is he's not his his rookie year. He wasn't. Um, I guess physical is the right word, right? Like he is, his physicality was questioned a lot. He was getting bullied a lot. Uh, it wasn't like he was just getting beat because, like you said, the length is something that obviously helps him with that. But he he was just getting overpowered a lot of times. I mean, people were just bull rushing him. And this year, you've seen him kind of improve in that area. And you know, he told us during training camp that he put on ten pounds of muscle uh, this off season, and, and and that's great to hear. I just don't think we've seen it a ton yet. Uh, in these first three games, I, I think he's been better. He hasn't gotten beat as much, um, but the, the length definitely helps him. I just think that he, he again needs to get more physical, and, and like I said, the mental part. If he's got a great center, him. obviously you want to. You, you, most of the time, you want to leave him at center. You don't want to mess around with moving him to guard because it's so pivotal in terms of of the offense and what you do. But a guy with Cushionberry's length. One of my questions was: Would he be a guy who'd be better up opening the front door, the front gate for a power run game, where he can really use those long arms to pivot an offensive, uh, say, or, sorry, a defensive tackle? Um, but you're telling me maybe that the strength hasn't been there yet. Had there been suggestions that he get moved to guard at any point when, during his tenure there? There hasn't, and, and you know it's it's um, it's one of the things where I think some people are like, well, why don't they play Graham Glasgow at center? Because Graham has obviously played center before, and he's been really good at it uh, in, in in his career, and he's obviously more a veteran, a more veteran player. Uh, and I don't know why they haven't done that. I think maybe they just feel really confident in those two guards. I mean, again, Graham's played for a long time, or, or I guess not a long time, but a few years in the league now. Dalton Reisner has shown that he can be a good good guard at times. Uh, and so I think that that's the biggest thing for those guys is, is, you know, try and work the rookie center, or I guess not. Again, I keep saying rookie mm-hmm. center because I keep thinking he's a rookie, but he's not. And the second-year center, and, and I think they have a lot of faith that he can get there. And again, he's, pro- he's improved, but I think Broncos fans probably need to be patient with him because it's going to take some time. And especially... Man, being thrown in as, as a rookie center, um, you know, for 16 straight games, that's tough, man. Especially when, you know, the offense just wasn't very good last year and you're, you're working with Drew Locke and, and that's nothing against Drew. But uh, I'm sure it's easier for Lloyd to work with a guy like Teddy uh, who's been around the league. He's, he's played with different centers. He understands different things. And so I think that that's All the right. biggest thing for him. Um, the one guy we didn't touch Please. on, if you want me to touch on mm-hmm. him, is, is right tackle uh, Bobby Massey. And, um, you know, Bobby as I said, you know, Garrett's probably the best offensive lineman. <laughs> Bobby's their most consistent. And they, they brought Bobby in, you know, from Chicago. Um, you know, he's, he's been in the league, I think this is his eighth or ninth year. Tenth. Uh, in the NFL, he's played a lot. Uh, tenth, wow. So he, he's been around. He's their most veteran guy up front. Um, and he's just been consistent. The biggest thing with him and, and him coming in and the biggest worry with him was, you know, can he stay healthy? And so far he has. Um, but as we saw last year in Chicago, I think it was about – game eight that he hurt his knee and was out the rest of the season so um you know the biggest concern with him is can he stay healthy but he's been good he's been good in pass protection i don't think he's given up a sack this year so far uh, and they i think the Broncos have given up maybe five sacks this season i can't remember the exact number but uh, bobby's been pretty consistent and, and has been a, a good my recollection from a long time ago was that he was really struggling at arizona and I'm just looking at his PFF grades in the yeah. early years here from 12 to 15, and it doesn't really look like that's the case. Um, I mean, he wasn't a good pass blocker his first two years, but he wasn't as terrible as I thought I remembered him being. I thought I remembered him being literally at the bottom of the league as a pass blocker, and, and it just yeah. doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, he's he's been... He's honestly been a little bit of a good surprise for the Broncos this season. And, I, again, I don't know if that's a product of them not playing very good teams so far or what that is, but he's been very consistent for them, hasn't made 
a ton of mistakes and again staying healthy and that's the biggest thing for them because when you look at the Broncos history at right tackle Juwan James obviously has has I mean he they signed him for I can't remember what the deal was but it ended up being one of the worst mm-hmm. deals the Broncos ever made in franchise history because he never really played for him uh, he sat out last year with COVID and then this year he you know tears his Achilles in the offseason which obviously became a big deal because it wasn't at the Broncos facility all that all that stuff but um, you know it looked like a dire situation for the Broncos at right tackle this offseason and they were able to get a guy like Bobby who has played a lot of football and, and has yeah it's uh, everything is relative obviously the Ravens with their current tackle situation would love to have either of those players. Uh, they do actually have yeah. uh, Juwan James on injured reserve now currently. And, and I, I, as recently as camp, there was still hope that he would play at some point in 2021. I don't think that's actually going to happen. But uh, he's still, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, on, he's got an NFI list. So I believe he can be activated to play at the end of the year. And his contract was really a one-year deal for next year essentially that the uh, um, the situation the contract he got from the Ravens but Bobby Massey boy I mean you know to, to one man's one team's <laughs> trash is another team's treasure and he's not the Broncos trash by any means but the Ravens boy would they love to have a tackle like Bobby Massey right now all right let's let's move on a little bit talk we'll talk some wide receivers yes I mean when, when you talk about this group I you got to start with the injuries, right? And, um, you know, losing Judy, who, in my opinion, watching training camp, he was arguably the Broncos' best player all of training camp. I mean, he, he looked that good. And, and I know he's coming off a season, rookie year, where it was a good rookie year when you look at his statistics. But uh, I think that there was a lot of people that hoped he would have been a little bit better. I think he was second in the league in drops, according to Pro Football Focus or something like that. Uh, that was the one big issue with him. But uh, he looked awesome in training camp. So for him to go down week one uh, with what looked honestly – looked like it was going to be a lot worse injury than what he got uh that ankle that ankle sprain so uh they're lucky that he's going to get to get back this season obviously kj hamler like i said just tore his acl uh he was a difference maker in terms of you know um you know opening things up and, and making the defense have to account for him over the top um you know that that's a huge loss in my opinion uh, but then you know the positive for them is Cortland sutton has looked like the old Cortland sutton uh, before he tore his ACL last season, you know he had a monster game against the Jaguars. Career day, I think it was nine catches, 159 yards, um, looked awesome. His last week, I, I can't remember his exact stats, but it wasn't as big, obviously. But then the other one mm-hmm. is, is Tim Patrick, and, and Tim Patrick, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. A, a guy that maybe not a lot of people know about, um, and really has stepped up in, in some of these injuries. And, and he's a guy that, again, I, I think according to Pro Football Focus didn't drop a pass last season. Um, that's that's his thing. See, the ball's thrown his way, he does not drop it. If it hits his hands, he's going to catch it. And, you know, he had some some, some awesome catches last week um, against the Jaguars, a couple down the sideline that went up in, in, in tough situations. Well, 12 and of 13 catches this year uh, so far, and he's averaging almost 14 yards per target. It's, that's that's stratospheric for the NFL. You 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 never finish a season there, but uh, but that's that's a great start. Yeah, well, and his story is great, and he's actually someone I'm I'm highlighting this week. I mean, he he's a guy that uh, had to go to junior college and was a great basketball player too. Played played basketball and football at, in junior college um, at a small junior college. It was not a, a well known junior college, uh, and then went to Utah, went undrafted and basically worked his way to make the 53-man roster and has since become, you know, the Broncos really, last year he was their number one wide receiver. 
Um, you know, he was their go-to guy with, with Drew Locke. So I, I, his story is pretty remarkable where he's come from, and, and he's going to get paid yeah. uh, this offseason, no matter if it's with the Broncos or somewhere else. I mean, he's this is another guy, by the way, uh, UDFA originally by the Ravens in 2017. He spent the he spent a camp with them. So uh, Ravens fans have, have lost a few over the years. It's not like Tim Patrick played anywhere in 2017, but uh, yeah. you know that was an opportunity. And you, you look at him, and he, the Ravens can only hope he doesn't end up being the next Next, uh, uh, Harrison, you know, that leaves the team after being cut three times. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. We talked about the tight ends a little bit earlier, so let's uh, let's leave it there on the on the tight ends uh, and move to the running backs. You might, you already talked about no real use of a fullback, but uh, how are the runners looked? You know, I, I think that they have a, a good um, you know group back there. It, it's just interesting. You know, Vic Fangio has talked about the first three games, uh, all three teams. Uh, Giants, uh, Jaguars, and Jets have all sold out to, to stop the run. All three is, is what he said. They've gone to, I think his exact quote was, they've, they've gone to extreme measures to stop the run. But basically, all three teams bet on you know Teddy Bridgewater making mistakes and, and forcing him to beat them with his arm. Uh, and despite that, you know Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, kind of a one-two punch for the Broncos back there. Obviously, Gordon being the veteran, um, you know he had the 70-yard touchdown run against the Giants that, you know, I'm not saying anybody could have made that touchdown run, but the <laughs> hole was pretty big, and he just kind of broke it and went. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's had a good year. I thought he played really well, actually, on Sunday against the Jets. I think he had 61 yards on 12 or 14 carries, something like that, and, and a touchdown. Uh, obviously a veteran player that, that understands how to hit holes and, and things like that, and, and he's not going to beat you with your speed with his speed a whole lot. Uh, he's not a super physical guy, uh, but he's a good, solid veteran running back that they trust, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of him this week. I know the first three weeks they split carries with him and the rookie Javante Williams. Uh, Javante actually just had his first fumble and he fumbled on the goal line uh, against the Jets. And I'm not saying, I mean, they've come out, the coaches have come out and said that they still have a lot of faith in Javante. Uh, but, you know, when, when that happens with a rookie, I think you're going to start leaning on your veteran a little bit more, especially when you're talking about a Ravens team um, that's going to throw different things at him. I think that they're going to put a lot more trust in Melvin. So I would expect Melvin to get the bulk of the carries on Sunday. Uh, but Javante, man, when he's on, he's good. I mean, he's I think the biggest thing for Javante that, that helps him is obviously being a rookie, he's not, he doesn't have as much wear and tear on him, and I think that's big with running backs. But even in his college career, you know, he split time with Michael Carter, uh, who's now on the Jets, and so they they split carries there. And so I think that he really is a fresh running back, and you can see that in the way that he bounces off guys. Uh, he's really physical. Uh, you know, I, they call him like a pinball because he basically just bounces off people. Uh, and so that you know, he's kind of that 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 second punch that, you know, usually comes in and, and, and I think it's going to end up being their goal line back uh, because he is so physical. But after fumbling last week, I don't know if that's going to happen. And then the third guy is Mike Boone, who, again, we haven't seen play this year. He looked great in training camp before he, uh, you know, injured his quad in the, the joint practices with Minnesota. He's supposed to start maybe practicing this week. So you could see him this week. I, I doubt it, though. I don't think they'll just run him out there, um, you know, especially, again, against this Ravens team. So I, I just uh, I think it's going to be mostly Melvin Gordon and, and Javante. All right. So Sunday. the Ravens uh, running back situation obviously deteriorated very rapidly and pretty much immediately after they cut Nate McCrary. And Denver was the team who ended up picking him him up. Yep. Uh, first of all, did you see anything from McCrary in the time that he was with Denver, or was there anything talked about in terms of him being a member of the 53, or was he even for brief, briefly? Yeah, he, he, I don't think he was. Um, I don't think he ever got elevated. You know, he was brought in, I think, as a special teams guy 
uh, and is like a, an emergency mm-hmm. back if they needed him. Um, you know, we didn't ever get to speak to Nate or, uh, you know, the only practice time we got to really see was individual drills. But the one thing I'll say about him is he mm-hmm. looked big, uh, like compared to Melvin Gordon, who's kind of a bigger running back in terms of his height. Uh, and then Javante, who's just kind of built like a rock. Uh, he looked big compared to those guys. And so that was the thing that stood out to me about him. And, and obviously the Broncos and, and I'm guessing the Ravens too, um, you know, saw something right. in him on his tape. Um, that stuck out because I, I don't think that it, it's not a coincidence that both teams wanted him and, and I, I know they didn't they didn't obviously promote him to the 53 man roster but I, I think he's, he's back on the Ravens practice squad now and and they desperately needed him but the thing the Ravens have found in their utter and complete desperation is that no there are there is a very shallow pool of young running backs available now and the Ravens would never have done what they do in terms of getting all these aging running backs with Bell and Freeman and and uh, Latavius Murray um, nobody thinks those guys are good players anymore not really um, you know they're, they're what's available on the street yeah. the street level of talent in a year after a COVID you know draft where a lot of players didn't play college. You know, there just aren't as many rookie and year one players even available that are on the margin that you say, hey, this guy might work out for us or he might be a stylistic fit for us. And the Ravens have had to make do with a, with a lot less where normally, you know, in, in a normal year, the Ravens would be feasting on everybody else's practice squad to get exactly a stylistic fit that would match well with Jackson. And, and all running backs play better when they get to play with Lamar Jackson in the Ravens scheme just because it's, it's a much easier scheme for running backs here. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and the, the only one other guy that I would add uh, is Demaria Crockett is the, mm-hmm. the fourth string guy. And he's played a lot of special teams, undrafted free agent, kind of like Nate McCrary. And I think that's kind of why they ended up letting, you know, Nate go and keeping Crockett as they I mean, Crockett was with them all through training camp and showed some promise. Uh, so he's kind of their last. I mean, if, if for some reason Gordon and Javante went down. Um, you know, he's the he's that guy, next guy in line, especially if, if Mike mm. Boone can't play as well. All right. Out, outstanding stuff here. This is just this is a great uh, uh, walk through this uh, th- this personnel. Let's bump over the defense now. The first question I always like to ask is when you get into passing situations, what do the Denver Broncos like to put on the field in terms of a specialized pass package? Because it kind of drives everything uh, on the highest leverage downs. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, every team. Right. Has has their uh, different, you know, do they run a three, four? Do they run a four, three? Do they run a dime? Do they run a nickel? All this stuff. The Broncos do it all. Uh, like, I, like I was reading the, the rundown. It's like, well, what, what do they do? It's like, they, man, they do it all. Like I, what you'll see is they might come out in their base, which is a three, four old mm-hmm, school sure. five, two. Right. Where they have two outside linebackers, three defensive linemen, uh, two inside linebackers and four defensive backs. I don't think that's what they're going to do this week. I think they're going to run a lot of nickel, uh, which is basically their 4-3, where they'll have Vaughn Miller, Malik Reed as their outside linebackers, two defensive tackles, um, where it's probably Draymond Jones, mm-hmm. who's played great this season, Shelby Harris, as I mentioned earlier, who they signed to a long-term deal, has been one of the better defensive linemen. Uh, and then they'll have you know uh, Alexander Johnson and, and Justin Sternad in the middle, inside linebacker and then they they have five dbs right and and it's uh you know pat sertan's gonna start at corner uh kyle fuller at the other corner justin simmons kareem jackson at safety uh, which is interchangeable and then you have bryce callahan at that nickel so that that's what i expect them to run and then they also run a dime uh where they'll play one inside linebacker which will probably be alexander johnson uh, in the middle, and then they'll bring in rookie Caden Stearns. Okay, so he's Caden Stearns actually the dime back sets up at a will linebacker position, and is yep. that on 
on most third downs, you get that because it's usually a down and distance package. Okay, so for the other, for the nickel, well, I just wanted to say this. You don't usually put a corner on the field unless the other team puts a third receiver on the field. And that's something the Ravens probably do less than just about anybody is is put that third receiver on the field. So, I, you know, one of the questions I would have is whether or not this is maybe a, maybe a week where we see more base from the Broncos. And, you know, the Ravens are seem to be right now anyway, in a position where they have to put additional tight ends on the field to cover for very weak tackle play. And I think that I expect that to be especially true against, against Von Miller. Yeah, it, 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 they're in it. I mean, it's, I, again, I have no idea what Vic Fangio is going to do. I mean, he seems to throw out different stuff every week, and he's a defensive guru, and you see around the league everybody's copying what he's doing on defense. I, I think it's interesting because it, it, let's say the Broncos mm-hmm. are fully healthy there. I think that you would have seen a, a lot of dime actually from this group because that was when Pat Sertan, who's a bigger corner. I mean, he's, he's huge at corner. Uh, a lot of people think he, he was mm-hmm. going to play the dime, right? Like that's where he worked all training camp was. He's going to be the dime because you could walk him up and he, he looks like a linebacker, right? Playing corner. And so I think they would have played a lot of that. I don't know what they're going to do now because at nickel Bryce Callahan, as good of a player as he is in coverage, mm-hmm. he can't tackle as well. And, and when you have you're facing a guy like Lamar, when he gets loose, yes. you want an extra tackler out there, right? Like you want another guy who can go out and tackle Lamar. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do because if they run their base three four, uh, then obviously you have three defensive linemen, um, you know, two you know defensive tackles, one nose tackle, and maybe you stuff it in the middle, and then you rely a lot on. I mean, no matter what, they're going to rely a lot on those outside linebackers, right? Like Von Miller and Malik Reed, they're two outside linebackers. They're going to have to make some plays. Right, they're going to have to play the quarterback, and then you're going to have to have those linebackers come up and play the pitch sure. right on those zone reads and, and, and those different option plays. Uh, and then the other ones, uh, again, I'm going through every single player. Every every all eleven are going to have to obviously uh, try and slow down Lamar Jackson because there's no stopping him. But I think the key guys, and, and you know, Vic talked a lot about this too, is those two safeties, and they do a lot of different things with those safeties that kind of mixes up coverages, obviously. But they also walk them up. Uh, not many teams walk up those safeties. They'll walk both those safeties up to be run stoppers and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, they're going to have to stop Lamar Jackson. There's going to be times that he gets loose and they're going to have to make a big tackle. And so that's what I'm interested to see is what they do with those two safeties. Are they going to walk them up a lot? They're going to drop them back in coverage. What are they going to do to try and slow Lamar Jackson? Because there's going to be, you know, certain times where he gets to the edge and who's going to be that guy that steps up and makes that tackle. And, and, you know, we've seen that from Kareem a lot this season. Kareem's come up and and made some big tackles in the holes. uh, And that's what makes this defense. I think what Vic does is, is he tries to place the strength of those safeties. Uh, and those two guys are interchangeable. There is no. This isn't like a free safety, strong safeties type situation. They both just play safety. They're, I mean, and and they walk them up and they're, they're run stoppers. So that's where the key is. And obviously, I I'm interested to see what they do with Alexander Johnson and Justin Sternad at inside linebacker because do you spy a guy like Lamar like when you're at a dime and you have one inside linebacker is Alexander Johnson a guy that's going to be a spy you know this last week you know facing a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson they brought him on a lot of blitzes which they typically don't do but I think they did that because it's a rookie quarterback and they knew they could get after him and Alexander Johnson had two sacks against Lamar I'm not right. blitzing at all I'm not I'm not taking that chance of 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 him missing Lamar and Lamar taking off and you have one less tackler so it's going to be really interesting to see absurdly controlled rush lanes by all teams so far against against the Ravens. I mean, the okay, let's we'll go through this by week. I, 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 that Las Vegas did thirty of thirty three four man rushes. We just saw twenty nine of thirty 
34, no, sorry, 30 of 34 four-man rushes in this last game by the Lions. And the Chiefs were similar, although they threw a few more five, sixes, and sevens out there. They were willing to take a few chances. Um, Controlled rush lanes, I'm not even sure that really helps unless you also commit to a spy, as you alluded to earlier, that you, you have a guy behind him who's ready to make the tackle. Because Lamar Jackson loves to wait for a pocket to break down and then take off. And, and he's, you know, he's holding the ball forever this year, which is good. That's Normally, that can be bad for a quarterback. But in, in Lamar's case, it's almost always a good trade-off to have a slightly increased risk of a sack, but a, but a good chance of a risk of a, of a, of a, a positive risk of a scramble. So uh, I, I, anyway, I've, right. I, I'll, I'll love to see it for in, in Denver's case as well. But I think the, the key thing is going to be if, if Von Miller is primary lines up on the offensive right side still, is that correct? Well, yeah, he he usually does, but with Bradley Chubb going down, he they've been kind of moving him to both sides. He's kind of played both. I I wouldn't be shocked if he sticks to one this week. I don't really know though, because last week he, I mean, he, I think it was like fifty fifty. He played on both sides because of would not surprise me if they move Miller to follow the naked tackle in this game, which really means the Ravens have to split their tight ends because I just don't see a, a, a good way to take care of them. Or if they don't split their tight ends, you know, Lamar has been calling some plays outside the huddle. Actually, he lets the play be called and they, they leave the concept as it is. And then Lamar has been going to one running back and say, hey, you go over here and chip this. Big leadership move, by the way, for Lamar. I mean, it's a huge change in, in who he is. But he'll tell Latavius Murray, line up here and block you know, Max Crosby. Uh, and that was the only way where they were getting yeah. some of that stop. But, uh, you know, Suggs love to do that, at least to follow the naked tackle. And, and this may be something that, that they, uh, they try with Miller. I'll be real interested. Yeah, you know, it, the one thing that it, to me, I mean, other than Lamar, which obviously is priority number one, is who, who's going to cover mm-hmm. Mark Andrews for this team? And, and that's, you know, really interesting to me because Bryce Callahan, like I said, he, he's great in coverage, but he's not very big, right? Like Mark Andrews should be able to take advantage of his size against a guy like that. And, and again, I, I mean, maybe they bring in Caden Stearns to help with that. I mean, he's a bigger player. He's mostly played safety. The other interesting thing, and I this is just me going off of, just coming up with ideas. But the one thing I thought about is what if they ran a regular, you know, normal four, three, right. Where they, instead of a nickel though, they bring in an extra linebacker and that extra linebacker would be Baron Browning, the rookie from Ohio state who, you know, they've had a lot of, uh, you know, potential and, and uh, optimism that he can end up being a starting inside linebacker for them. And then maybe you move Justin Sternad, who is supposed to be great in coverage. He's, he's an athletic player, runs sideline to sideline. Uh, it's supposed to, I mean, they drafted him to come in and basically cover tight ends. Maybe you move him out and you say, all right, he's going to be our nickel linebacker uh, and cover Mark Andrews or whoever, right? Uh, and then you bring in Baron Browning as that extra inside linebacker. I don't know. That's just an idea. They have not shown that this year. I just think you have to kind of get creative when you're playing a team like this, and, you, and it, it doesn't hurt to ever have an extra tackler like a Baron Browning who can run sideline to sideline, kind of like Sternad, like I said, super athletic. I think you want as many of those guys out there as possible. So that might be something you throw out there. Again, I they've run a lot of nickel this year. They've run a lot of their base 3-4, uh, but I think we might see some different stuff thrown out there. The, the league is league-wide is really more in love with cover three than they ever have been, I, it, it, as far as I can see. And and it's maybe part of that is probably that we have Lamar and we see every week that other teams tend to play a lot of cover three to spread their defenders to try and minimize the damage against Lamar. But that's one of that's one of the things that creates a lot of opportunity for Mark Andrews is he just is constantly just having to find space and zone. There, there are very few box and one type coverage. It's not like cover three 
slot doesn't exist where they could they could cover him and also maintain a cover three zone. But whatever you do, you have to give up that that seventh defender somehow if you've got six and four between a cover three and a uh, a four man rush. You, you only have one seventh defender to use. You can use him as a spy. You can use him as a slot cover guy on Andrews if you wanted to, but there's only so many ways to play it. And it's interesting to me that Denver is not a team that likes to play or that has so far played much cover three this year. Yeah, they play um, you know quite a bit of cover two. Um, you know, and what they do with those safeties again, that's the thing about this defense is what they do with those safeties. They disguise these coverages, and a lot of times you think they might be in man, but then they switch to zone, or maybe they're in zone on half the field and they're in man on the other half, right? And they, they mostly play man though. Uh, a lot of times they play man, but sometimes what they'll do is when you have those two safeties, right, two over the top safeties, a lot of times that means they're running cover two, cover four, right? Well, a lot of times they'll do that. They look, they show cover two, cover four, and then they switch into like a Tampa or Tampa two, whatever, and, and it, it totally throws off the coverages and so that's what if i'm if i'm talking about the broncos taking advantage and trying to win this football game they've got to disguise those coverages and and, and intercept lamar make lamar make poor decisions down the field with throwing the football uh, contain him obviously or you can't contain Lamar, but slow him down with his feet, obviously, and then disguise those coverages enough uh, to w- what he's not expecting. But you're right. They don't run a ton of cover three. And so, again, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I think they'll run a ton of man. Um, they've, they've, that's what they've run most of the season so far this year. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. And again, I think Mark Andrews presents a big problem, as he does for every team, uh, but especially for this Broncos team that likes to run a lot of that nickel with Bryce Callahan, and that's who would typically be lined up against Mark, and Bryce just isn't very big. Maybe, maybe again, maybe they do something where they flip Sertan and they let Sertan play that nickel, who's a little bit bigger, and they move him inside and, and cover instead of you know Callahan, and Callahan play outside, which he has you know most of his career. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think they might move some pieces around. They're gonna they're gonna do some different things. You know, Vic Fangio's a guy again. Like I said, he mixes things up every week. He disguises a lot of things. He doesn't blitz a lot. Like he's just not a blitzing defensive corner. And he he just you know relies on Vaughn Miller, Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb, those guys up front uh, to make plays instead of you know bringing in an right. extra guy outstanding stuff I, I always want to talk a little bit about rotation and depth on the defensive line in particular but outside linebacker also uh, are the Broncos a fairly rotational team or do they tend to accumulate snaps in a few players they do they rotate quite a bit up front um, you know that you're going to see you know um, you know Shelby Harris like I said Draymond Jones those two guys will definitely start Mike Purcell is, the, is their big nose tackle um, he'll play quite a bit but then you know they'll bring in like I said Shamar Stefan who they signed this offseason from the Vikings he'll play quite a bit up front uh, their other nose tackle Deshaun Williams undrafted guy kind of a journeyman in the NFL he's been gosh I think he's been cut over a dozen times throughout his career, but he's he's looked great through you know through training camp and is his first time ever making the 53 man roster. He'll play quite a bit at that nose tackle position for Purcell. Um, you know those are kind of the five guys that get the most um, you know reps up front. And then you also look at outside linebacker, like you said, you know Von Miller and Malik Reed are going to get the majority of the snaps, but um, you know two rookies are their next guys up, and that's Jonathan Cooper, like I said in the seventh round, Ohio State guy, looked great in training camp and preseason. Hasn't been as effective uh, once he's gotten in there, you know, this year uh, during the season. And I think that's just, you know, him adjusting, obviously, to the play, being a seventh-round pick. He's going to have some of those issues. And the other one is Andre Mintz, who's also a rookie, but he was an 
undrafted free agent who they were really high on out of Vanderbilt, uh, was really productive his last year at Vanderbilt, and he's kind of that fourth-string guy. He'll play a lot of special teams, uh, but he's he's gotten reps. I mean, they'll, they'll put both those guys in there. I mean, I remember this last week they had both those guys in at outside linebacker mm-hmm. early in the game. Uh, and so, I mean, don't be shocked if you see some rookies out there. And, you know, that's something the Ravens will probably try to look to take advantage of when those guys are out there. Um, but uh, it'll be it'll be a large chunk of, of Vaughn and Malik. And then some mix, you know, sometimes Malik will be out there with Jonathan or, um, you know, uh, Vaughn will be out there with Jonathan or Andre or whatever. Um, but it's 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 kind of those those are kind of their core group. But, yeah, they definitely rotate quite a bit up front and again i don't know maybe they'll change that this week um you know playing the three teams they did they got up um and kind of were you know obviously mm-hmm. just better than those teams uh and they played some teams that were pretty much inept on offense when you talk about rookie quarterbacks and trevor lawrence and zach wilson then you know giants and, and daniel jones um obviously it's a different animal this week so um but draymond yeah. draymond jones is the only interior lineman who's played over 60 percent of the snaps he's played very well this year um, Von Miller playing still over 70, almost 75% of the snaps. Um, you know, I remember that being something I always thought about Denver of old when they were really, you know, a 4-3 team and, and they had overplayed, I thought, a lot of their players along the line of scrimmage. Was that a common thought in Denver or, or is that something that you always felt like it was very well handled? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I've only been on the beat since last year, so I, I don't know about early in Vaughn's career, but I would say so. Um, you know, I think that sometimes, especially now later in his career, does he need to be playing mm-hmm. over 70% of the snaps? Probably not. Uh, but part of the issue is Bradley Chubb just hasn't been able to be healthy. And I think that that's a, a huge, I mean, if Bradley Chubb was, was healthy, I don't think Vaughn would be playing over 70% of snaps. I think he'd be looking more like 60, uh, maybe even in the 50s, sure. right? Uh, because you can, you can do that. And then you also have Malik Reed, who, like I said earlier, He's a starter for most most teams. I, I mean, I know he's a starter right now for the Broncos, but you know, typically he's the third guy. And so, I, I think that that's part of the issue is that Bradley's not out there, uh, and that really hurts this team in, in terms of depth. And I mean, and then you're talking about. I mean, I just mentioned you're talking about a seventh round draft pick uh, rookie, and then also an undrafted <laughs> rookie being the backups. And then you also have Malik Reed, who, again, I think Malik's, Malik's great, but he's also an undrafted guy. Uh, I mean, you're talking about some three guys behind Vaughn that are really not expected to be as productive as, as they have been. So I think that that's part of the, the reason why Vaughn's played so many snaps here. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, in terms of the linebacker, you mentioned they bring out a dime look, and Caden Stearns is the guy we'd expect to see on the weak side in, in those terms. Uh, do they do anything else rotationally at the linebacker position to get different guys on the field? Not really, no. Uh, it's mostly those two inside, you know, linebackers. It's going to be Alexander Johnson and, and Justin Sternad. And, you know, maybe if Josie Jewell is healthy, maybe they'd bring in a Sternad, kind of like I said earlier about Baron Browning. I, I would not be shocked if we saw something like that. But uh, I, I don't think the trust is there yet with Baron. That's the biggest issue with him is, is you know, he missed all of uh, – OTAs and, and most of rookie minicamp with a knee injury, and then he missed the first three weeks of training camp with a knee injury. So he's still catching up in terms of just understanding what the defense is doing. So I, I, I don't think we're going to see too many other linebackers out there. And, and in terms of you know who else could play dime, the only other person that you might see out there is Nate Harrison. Ex-Raven um, also. Know, he's played in the league. In a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been in there for a little bit. So uh, he's the guy that you know, he's a solid player, and, and if they have to, if somebody goes down, I think that they trust him. Uh, but Caden Stearns has been a ball hawk for this team. I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, really stood out in training camp, fifth-round pick out of Texas, um, who was really productive at Texas until he kind of 
you know, got injured later in his career. Uh, and he, he, you know, he told me the other day he's as healthy as he's ever been. And I think we've saw that, you know, a little bit the last two weeks where he's had to come in and play that dime spot instead of Sertan, who originally started there um, because of Darby obviously going down. So, and he had his first interception last week against, against the, uh, the Jets. So he, he's a good football player um, and a guy that, I think that it's going to get better and better. But again, when you talk about if he has to come in the dime package and cover Mark Andrews, big that's ask, a big yeah. that's a big ask for a rookie, uh, especially a guy that you know has primarily only played safety in his career. And I know dime's not that much different, but it is different uh, in terms of coverages and, and what you're doing. So uh, it, it should be interesting. I mean, I think there's a as, as good as this Denver defense is, and I think a lot of people think it is. There are some. Some places that, you know, I think the Ravens can explore. All right. And you, you went through the safeties, I think, in a fairly complete way. Let's look at all three corners again in terms of, of their style of game and in particularly on the outside. Are they boundary guys? Are they, are they trying to get physical with the receiver? What are they trying to do? Sertan is definitely a physical guy. Uh, and I think that's just because his nature of his size Right. Um, he's got a tremendous ball skills. If you go and watch that Jaguars game, the interception he had down the sideline was just fantastic. I mean, he's he's riding the guy the whole way. He's, he's with him stride for stride. And he goes up and makes a spectacular play down the sideline for his first career interception. I mean, he's he, I, again, he's going to make mistakes because he's a rookie and he's going to be out of position every once in a while. But the dude is, mm-hmm. I think, their best corner. I really think that. And he's already he's only a rookie. Uh, I think when Darby comes back. It's actually going to be Sertan and Darby that start. And Fuller's the guy who's really struggled this year. Um, he, he's not been great uh, in coverage. He got beat on a deep ball, I think, like the first play of the game against the Giants. And ever since, it's just not been um, where he needs to be in terms of his coverage. Uh, and so I, I think that he's kind of that one weak link in that secondary because Callahan has been really good in the slot. I mean, that's where he really thrives is covering those slot guys. Uh, he's a speedster. He's not, he's not going to be physical. Uh, but he's probably going to be running with his guys stride for stride every single play because he's just he, he's just that good and he's I mean he he's got good ball skills too. Uh, but the one that that really concerns me and I think concerns a lot of Broncos fans is Fuller through three weeks. He's gotten some penalties. Um, you know whether that's fair or not in terms of pass interference because we who knows what pass interference is anymore. But um, you know he's 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 he struggled in terms of boundary coverage and just being physical. He's not a very physical guy in my opinion and and. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not been good on out routes. That's somewhere that I've seen him get beat quite a bit. And also, you know, those, those deep balls, he's not the fastest guy uh, out there. I know he's played in the league for quite some time and he's, he's, he's a good corner, right? I mean, it's hard to find good corners and he's a good corner, but I just don't think he's on that same level as say a Darby who really was shut down that first, that first game against the Giants. I thought he played really well against New York. And then he was also, he was definitely their best corner throughout training camp. And then you have Sertan who I just think, his athletic ability just takes over in some of these games and just he just makes big plays. I mean, you you go turn on the Jets yeah. film, I thought he was fantastic, broke up some big pass plays. So uh, I, I loved him coming out of school kind of last year, ninth overall pick and and yeah. uh yeah, there are four first round corners that I thought were were I, there might have been more than that drafted, but there are four guys I thought should have been drafted in the first round with uh uh with him and uh Newsom. Uh, being two of the ones I really, really liked. But, uh, you know, congratulations on getting him. But uh, uh, I understand the, the issues with Kyle Fuller as well. He's been around the league now a few years. This is his eighth year in the league. Um, yeah. And uh, he's been a, at, at good at times a good real, real good cover guy for the Bears and, and at times not so much. But, uh, you yeah, know, certainly a, a, a yeah. guy. Is there a play? I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, in, in, 
Well, I was just going to say, he, he's, I think the reason he ended up in Denver is, you know, he played for Vic Fangio. And so I think that that was the, obviously the, um, the part that intrigued him about coming to Denver. And then, uh, but he also, it's very clear. I think he's using this season as just a year to kind of redeem himself. Cause I know he didn't have the best year in Chicago. Um, and there was maybe some, you know, um, opinions made on him and so i think that that's kind of what he's using the, the broncos for go somewhere where he's comfortable he knows the head coach uh and maybe he'll be 30 next year headed for free agency not an ideal position to to be in but still a place where he could make give himself at least a little bit of a payday uh for i guess it would be a third contract if you don't count the denver one-year deal because you, you got a second contract in chicago so uh outstanding stuff here maybe one player i don't like to do score predictions with people but one player you think really matches up well for denver against baltimore personnel either defensively you can pick one on each side of the ball if you want uh you know i think that the, the tight ends for denver could make a big you know impact i know that you mentioned that uh, maybe the inside linebackers have been a little bit of an issue for the Ravens. I think that they could uh, ex- exploit that uh, a little bit with Noah Fant and Albert O. I think that that could be a huge part of this game, right, if they could get that ball to those playmakers. And, you know, really they, they have been in the first two games and last week against the Jets, they, they really were a non-factor. So I think that that could be an interesting part for the offense. And then defensively, I, I don't know, I, you know, you could easily pick Vaughn Miller. Maybe he makes some good plays on the outside on that zone read. I, I don't know. I, I think that that's a tough – ask i think it's gonna be justin simmons he's a guy that has obviously played a lot of football um you know signed a big deal this offseason i think these are the type of games that you want to see justin simmons step up and make some big plays i think like i said earlier disguising those coverages with the safeties maybe he can pick off lamar make a big play uh and then also he's gonna be huge in the run game like i said uh, you, you there is no slow there is no stopping lamar jackson he's gonna get loose at some point but can you can you stop him from making the 50 yard run and make it you know a 15-yard run, and that's where Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, those guys are going to have to really step up and fill those run holes and, 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 and run gaps. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for me. So I'll pick Justin Simmons on, okay. on defense. Well, good, good choices and a great conversation, George. It's just the level of depth we're looking for. Really appreciate you taking almost an hour and 10 minutes on this, and this is, is great stuff, really worth the time. Uh, tell folks again where they can find you. Say on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, George Stoya, um, just G-E-O-R-G-E-S-T-O-I-A. Um, you know, I like to tweet a lot about the Broncos, but I also, uh, I'm an Oklahoma guy. So actually, there's a lot of guys on the Ravens that I covered in college. You know, Mark Hollywood Andrews. Brown, uh, I'm actually pretty close. Yeah, Mark Andrews. I'm pretty close with Hollywood's uh, family, actually. I, I wrote a big story about him. And Ben Powers, um, you know, he's, he's a good guy, a real quiet guy. He was real interesting to cover. Mark Andrews, obviously, a great guy. So uh, I know quite a bit of those. I mean, I know Orlando Brown's not there anymore, but I was really close with Orlando as well. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, uh, you know, I, I tweet a lot about the Broncos, but I also tweet about some OU guys and then also just, you know, your, your, your classic memes, right? I, I like to be try to be All funny right. on Twitter. So you can I, just, I want to tell you guys what I'm looking at in the background here for George because he's obviously been, done, been to a lot of places, been to some big ball games, and it looks like there might be some tickets, but there are a lot of press credentials for, for a lot of big football games. All, all credentials. Very all cool. Credentials, yeah. uh, you can tell there's a lot of things. I was trying to make them out as you go on. It's kind of distracting me from the show a little bit, but uh, that's great stuff. That's a great collage. You'll really love having that probably now, but definitely in the future. I've, I try to keep all my tickets from big games that I go to and, uh, and really enjoy that as well. Yeah. George, thanks again for joining us. We, we really appreciate your time. Yeah. 
thanks for having me. It was a blast. I, I hope I uh, sounded <laughs> you, you did a terrific job. And we'll talk <laughs> to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.